Greetings, folks. Thank you once again for joining us. We've made it to episode 10 of the CIAC cast. They said we would never get there. I'm not entirely sure who they is, but either way, we're happy to be plugging along with our little endeavor and hope folks continue to enjoy it. We've got two distinct topics this week on the CIAC cast. Coming up, we've got Matthew Conyers from the Hartford Current. He's going to keep us updated on the outdoor track season, which is a sport we haven't hit on yet on the CIAC cast, the outdoor season anyway. Then we veer off and go into depth with the CAST CIAC Scholar Athlete Banquet, which will be coming up this weekend. We're going to discuss that with CIAC staffers Paul Hoey and Bob Lair, so really get involved with that uh, great event. And then we're going to have a very random guest at the end if you want to hang out with us to get all the way to the conclusion. So lots get lots to get to this week. Again, episode 10. We're very excited. Let's quickly hit up on the things you might have missed on CIACsports.com. First up, we mentioned it right away, and it's going to be one of the big topics of our podcast this week, the Scholar Athlete Banquet, which will be coming up. The release about that is up on the website, as well as a complete list of all the honorees for this year under the under the um the CIC for Administrators tab, there's a special Scholar Athlete Banquet uh, link under there. If you go to that, you'll be able to see all of the honorees for this year and actually for every year. So kind of an exciting thing that we're able to do uh, with that. So that's certainly something coming up. Christine Lilly, uh, the standout U.S. national soccer team player, Olympic champion and World Cup winner, will be the featured speaker. Bob Bacosi of ESPN will be the master of ceremonies, and we will be broadcasting it live, streamed live on the CIAC network, so certainly hope people will check that out. We may also hit on this a little bit later in the podcast, but also on things you might have missed. New from Max Preps, we have a photo gallery of a record-breaking performance from Weston track and field pole vaulter Emily Savage at the Penn Relays this past weekend, so hope folks will check that out as well. Some cool things get to relive that record-breaking event. So that's all we've got for things we might have missed. Let's dive right into the podcast topics this week. Starting off, we've reached uh, the beginning of May, which means we have just about a month left of the regular season for outdoor track and field. No better time than to check in with Matthew Conyers of the Hartford Current. Well, the track and field season is uh, progressing here. We've been outside for a few weeks, and we're about just a little under a month until the uh, state championship, so we wanted to check in with our, our track and field correspondent, Matthew Conyers of the Hartford Current. He joined us in the winter to talk about the indoor track and field season. Now we're happy to have him with us to talk some outdoor track and field. Matthew, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Joel. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. We appreciate all your insight. So we'll... Uh, We'll get into it here. Uh, outdoor track and field, as I said, well underway. Uh, by my count, we've got uh, 153 qualifying performances on the boys' side and 163 uh, performances on the girls' side so far this year, according to the CIAC website. So, uh, But among those performances, what have been some of the ones that have really stood out to you that you've seen so far in the outdoor season? You know, it's a, Joel, it's, uh, it, it's been kind of a very eventful uh, first month or so of the outdoor season, as far as results are concerned. We've seen a lot of strong performances. We've seen a lot of near record-breaking performances, and we've seen some that are probably going to hold up. Um, the one that kind of strikes me at the moment, uh, it just happened recently. We had the Penn Relays. You know, Penn Relays is such a prestigious event, uh, event that's gone on for such a long time. And when you say Penn Relays, people know about it. Yep. Even if you're not a track fan, it, it just holds so much weight. So if you do something good at the Penn Relays, I think that bodes well for your season. And uh, saying uh, Emily Savage did something good at the Penn Relays uh, this past 
Thursday. It might be a major un- understatement. Uh, Emily Savage, she, you, you might remind, remember she broke the indoor pole vault record this year at the Class S meet. Kind of, kind of, everybody got swept up at that moment. She because she beat, ended up not only winning the the pole vault at the Class S meet, setting the record, but also beating the boys uh, the boys vault that day. Now Emily top might have topped that this past Thursday at the Penn Relays. She set the unofficial record in the pole vault and set the meet record on top of a school record. So this is an athlete going to Oklahoma that just continues to impress and impress. She jumped 13 feet, one and a, one inch and a one and a, one and a half inches. Um, and just to put that in perspective, compared to the old record, if that holds, now it hasn't been confirmed yet, but if that holds, that's going to kind of clobber the old record of 12, six and a quarter wow. uh, in 2010. Uh, Emily's just somebody who's fully committed to the sport. Uh, you can kind of see her passion for it, how, how much her knowledge has grown. Uh, and she just shows how far girls pole vaulting has come in the last decade or so. This is a member of sport that wasn't even part of the event curriculum just a little while ago. Yeah. You know, it seems like girls weren't competing in the pole vault in Connecticut. And then when they began, it was a very rough start. And now Emily's kind of literally raised the bar here <laughs> to a, a, a mark that I don't know if we're going to see beaten anytime soon. You know, 12 6 for girls is very good in pole vaulting, but now she brings up a 13. Uh, she's is she's challenging some of the measurements of the boys, so that's the one that really strikes me. Then on the boys' side, uh, another pen relay performance that just came about recently, and you know, I apologize, these are all fresh on my mind, but they are striking performances. Uh, it's Coventry's Tommy Myers. Here's one of the sports best athletes, one of the state's best best athletes to begin with. He's going to UConn in the football scholarship, and he's in second place at the pen relay in the traveling. You know, he threw 200 feet, 11 inches. He was about five feet off the winner, but going to the pen relays where there's just an enormous amount of noise. I know these kids say they're used to it, but to react positively to it, to come up with a performance like that. Uh, and when he, and he didn't have anything to come really back for. I mean, Tommy Myers, he's, he's all steady. He's going to college. He's achieved so much in his career. And to see him still making marks in the track and field season is pretty impressive. I think he's going to... I don't know if we're talking about a record-breaking performance later on this year, but he's a guy uh, we usually tend to look at some of these, the milers, the, the sprinters. But, I mean, what he's doing the javelin is very special, and I hope we keep an eye on him. And then one more, <laughs> I know I'm going on and on here. No no problem. Uh, this is why we bring you on, sir. <laughs> it's uh, Canton Macaraziano. You know, he, he broke, the again, another unofficial state record. His record was actually not verified. It wasn't confirmed. Uh, they had to reject it. So hopefully, again, he can throw it again and break it. But in the discus, he threw about 191, which again clobbered an old, old record, the longest, re- the oldest record we have in the state in the discus. Uh, it just didn't hold up because it was thrown in a try meet. But he's another guy to keep an eye on. That was an early performance, I believe it was April 17th when he threw it. And if he can continue to progress like he has. I mean, he's making major strides in the discus. He was the New England champion last year, but he's even throwing better than what he was at that time last year. So he's a guy like Tommy Myers, who's uh, based on his performances so far, we're going to have to keep a real close eye on because he could be 
making a lot of noise uh, when the end of May rolls around. Absolutely, and those were certainly uh, you know some incredible performances of late. And you talk about that uh, Emily Savage performance, and to do a little self promotion here or some uh, website promotion, if you will, the CICSports.com currently linking to a Max Preps uh, photo gallery actually of Emily breaking that record uh, at the Penn Relay. So certainly a, a pretty remarkable performance, and, a, and you know sort of a great uh, stage for for Connecticut track and field to see someone. Uh, do that sort of thing at the at a meet with uh, that kind of history and prestige. Um, exactly, it was like a double whammy of sorts. Uh, yeah. You just had someone who's been peaking perfectly, and, and here she does it as one of the biggest moments of the whole entire season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, easy. Obviously, the the championships at the end of the year are certainly kind of what everyone is is focusing on and looking up, uh, kind of you know peaking towards. At least I'm sure that's the the coach's hope. Um, but have you seen any sort of particularly compelling dual meets or invitationals this season uh, that jump out at you that you've been able to cover or kind of keep track of during the season so far? You know, one of the ones that you know again it just happened recently this past Tuesday is a team I'm kind of keeping a little close eye on at the moment is Glastonbury. Here's a team that's kind of been a little under the radar as far as boys track and field is concerned because their girls program has been so strong recently. Uh, they, they've been having so many great athletes on the girls' side. We watched Mackenzie Hollenbaugh, um, Lindsay Kovosiak a few years back. These are pioneer athletes that you only get once in a lifetime, and they had three of them swing through in the last three years. So the girls' programs have a lot of attention, but then I look at the boys, and they're, they're young, they're raw, but you know what? They could surprise some people. They they compete in the competitive CCC North, and this past Tuesday, they had a meet at Manchester, one of their main rivals, uh, a team Manchester is usually very dominant in the sprints, uh, very strong in the relays, and, and as well pretty good most of the time in the throws uh, on top of their distance team. Glastonbury, the opposite. You know, normally not for, for the boys, typically not your best sprinting team in this area. You know, the Glastonbury boys held their own against the Manchester Sprinters. They're starting to prove in the jumps, and it was kind of the Glastonbury distance team, who's always been pretty good, but the Manchester distance team, that's their bread and butter uh, in track and field. That's usually what carries the team, but this year, uh, Glastonbury's distance team kind of oh, surprised Manchester a little bit. I know Manchester had some guys in this piece. But they kind of almost outperformed us, and we had a rare, rare tie in track and field. Oh, wow. It does happen. Uh, you know, it's not like it doesn't happen, but you don't see it that often uh, because there's usually, you know, there's some wiggle room there. You're going to find a point or, or two that are somewhere going to offset the balance of the meet. But Manchester, uh, Glastonbury tied. Glastonbury thought they had originally won 77-73. It ended up being 75-75. Uh, when they went back and checked the results about a half hour after I had them reported to me from Tracy Hallenbaugh, she called back laughing. She says, man, I think we tied. And she said it best. You know, she says, this doesn't happen that often at all. You won't see this that often. Uh, and Tracy's a person that's been doing track and field so long, so you trust Tracy. But she says uh, it's a rare event. And, and, you know, her comments about that meet struck me. It was just a classic, old-fashioned dual meet, two teams going head-to-head, Everybody watching the meet, watching every event, knowing that it was going to come down. That's what you like to see. It doesn't happen often in uh, the dual meet season. You get a lot of blowouts. Uh, you, sometimes you get teams win by 60 points. But when you get that dual meet, it comes down to the 4x4 four four, or comes down to the th- 32 right at the end. 
well, you can't beat it. You know, when all everybody's watching, the meat weighs on one event. Uh, that's what us track and field nerds love about it. With <laughs> down to the wire like that, and that's what you had in, uh, at Manchester this past Tuesday. And the great thing is, you had against two rivals, uh, Manchester team that just you know won uh, the Class L championship a couple of years ago. They're not quite at that level. They're down uh, considerably from where they were on the class level up But they're always a top ten defender, and the coaches there are always going to have them ready. So. Uh, a really a perfect storm of events at Manchester this past uh, Tuesday to get these two teams uh, traditionally strong to really show off what they're capable of doing. Yeah, but I expect both of them to, you know, maybe not have, uh, you know, staples. Danbury's so strong in Class Double L, but those are two teams to keep an eye on, you know, along with Windsor, a team that's attracted so much attention the last couple of years for the boys' side. So obviously, you know, we checked in with you during the winter, right after I believe the the Winter Championships. Uh, and, you know, you get a lot of, obviously, the same, you know, faces from the indoor season to the outdoor season, particularly, you know, some of the top competitors. Um, but maybe have there been maybe one or two athletes who have emerged in this outdoor season that either maybe weren't uh, competing during the indoor season or have taken a step forward uh, into the outdoor season that folks could should keep an eye on coming up in the uh, the next couple of weeks? Some, some new faces or maybe some surprising performances that you've seen in the outdoor season? Uh, yeah, well, a new face, not for outdoor, but for, for an athlete that did not compete in indoor track that has all the limelight on her now is Sydney Over and Windsor. Here's the, the girl who, you know, went down to the Nationals, finished second overall in the country in the 800 meters. She doesn't compete in, uh, in indoor track because of basketball. Uh, she, she's the center for Windsor girls team. Uh, and she's always done that. She didn't change it up this year, even though what she achieved last year and what, where she went. she's going to Florida State for college. She said she was going to compete in basketball. She just did that. She's a cross-country athlete, so she, she does run the other season. But outdoor season, here's somebody who, honestly, and I, I'm not, uh, this isn't a lie, this is an exaggeration, I'm not overhyping it. This is somebody who could walk away at the end of the season being a national champion. She's that good. And, and the funny thing about Sydney is her event, if for anybody that knows track and anybody watches it, They'll say right off the bat, she's an 800 runner. She wants to win the 400 meters. That's the race she loves. She wants to come back this season, win it. She's lost it. Uh, she lost it last year. She's hungry to get that title back, the state open 400 meter title. And it, you, as you know, and our listeners know very well, that title is going to be very hard to get. That's Precious Holmes. That's Precious Holmes territory. Precious Holmes is 400 meter indoor champion, national champion. She did that at the New Balance indoors this past March. Uh, but it's become a bit of a rivalry, an intense rivalry. It's fun to watch. It's very exciting. You're talking about, again, we use the term, and I, I don't use it lightly, as uh, once-in-a-lifetime athletes. And you have two of them going head-to-head here, uh, probably in the 400. Cindy's uh, mother coaches her. I, you know, she probably would want her more to focus solely on the 800, uh, but I think that's going to be very tough. Sydney really, really wants this record. She wants to kind of go out with it being hers, you know. Yeah. Um, so she's going to track in on that. And I think it's going to be very special if all lines up, if both girls stay healthy, if it stays on the radar, that 400 is going to be one of the major events of the track and field season, any track and field season in the last five years. Great. Looking uh, forward to that. And so she's one girl that, you know, you really got to keep an eye on. People know her. They're not surprised by the results. Uh, but you have to when you when you talk about athletes that did not compete during the indoor season, 
there, there's the main one. You got you got to watch Cindy Hope. She she could do some very very special things in this kind of swan song of a indoor, uh, outdoor track season. Sure. Um, now, finally, here, and we appreciate you uh, taking the time to share all your knowledge with us here, but as we said, just a little bit under a month. The divisional championships uh, will take place between May 28th and 30th, and then the, the state open on June 3rd, so just about a, a month uh, before those events. Just give us a quick, and I know you've mentioned a few teams, but if you give us your take on what teams uh, maybe folks should be keeping an eye on as we wind down here through May and into uh, leading into the championship season at the end of the month. You know, Joel, it's kind of the list of the usual suspects. You know, I, I touched on a couple of them. Danbury Staples, so good. This Staples team, this is kind of the end of the run. The Henry Wynn-led teams, or at least, you know, I'm, I'm probably misspeaking there a little bit by saying it's the end of the run, but this is this is the final uh, farewell to what they are capable of doing with Henry Wynn on their roster. Uh, another national champion. He won the New Balance Indoor Mile. He comes out and you just see another guy. What, what is Henry Wynn going to do next? Yeah. Uh, and, and he's a guy with staples that makes them so tough to manage. You don't know how they're going to use him. What, he, he's going to give you a lot of points. He's going he's gonna to give you about 30 points uh, or more. Uh, and you just got to be prepared for 30 points. You just got to be prepared for what he's going to give you. Uh, so Staples, Dan Barry, those are the teams you always mention in L. We would be mistaken if you didn't mention. I still like Windsor. You know, uh, it's a team we talked about the last time we did this podcast. Uh, the Windsor boys, you know, I, I, I've been fortunate enough to go to some of their practices, see what they're doing, see how their coach, Kelvin Kears, who uh, is in the police force in Windsor, how he motivates these kids. Uh, it, it, he does a really, really special job with how he motivates them and keeps them focused. They really want to compete for him. And at the same time, they're loose, so they're really enjoying things. And I think they're they're going to be a better team than they were in the indoor season. They're strong in their relays. They're top-heavy in the sprints. If they can get some points out of distances, they can hang in there. Certainly, they're a contender now. They should be a major factor in that meeting, and they should be a major factor in the state open. And you, you can't, you know, can't talk about the end of the year without talking about Bloomfield. They're moving up to M. They usually they, they've been in uh, S a couple of the last years. Now they're going to be M. They just they just switched over because of they just broke the the limit for S teams. So they'll be competing in M, which will be tougher for them. But this is the best Bloomfield team they've ever had. Like Garfield White has been open about saying that their coach and the athletes have said that, and even alumni have said that. So you've got a lot of potential state open winners. You've got Izzy McEwen. He, he's your hurdler. He won the 55 meter hurdlers over the off season. Uh, in your season, you have Isaiah Brooks, who's your world class shot putter, ended up going to Maine uh, next year for football. And of course, you have David Campbell. Um, but the guy I'm really keeping an eye on. That team in particular is was our all-current boys indoor track athlete. It was Demario Gray. He's a guy who's a basket. He's a basketball player by name. He loves sport. It's what he does in his spare time. But he might be one of the best jumpers in the entire country. Uh, he's a world-class high high jumper and a fantastic long jumper. He's added the triple jump to his arsenal. He doesn't like it, but I think he could be very very <laughs> good. And so Bluefield, you know, came to watch class meet and they they pulled us up. They dominated all of the indoor season. We'll see if they can do what they did during the postseason in indoor. If they can do it during outdoor too now. Great. And then on the girls, and then on the girls side, you know, uh, you know, keeping a close eye on Colin, someone we haven't mentioned before. Uh, they face tough competition in their class. Uh, they won the championship last year. 
but you talk about swan songs. You talk about Sydney Over. You talk about uh, Northwest Catholic Sarah Gillespie. Uh, these are primary senior athletes that you know to come along once in a lifetime. The one that kind of gets pushed to the background a little bit is Collins Katie Sprout. This is a girl that's won two 300 uh, meter hurdle championships since she was a sophomore. Uh, she's probably she was probably the best 300 meter hurdler coming back this season for the entire uh, region of New England. And this is her kind of swan song with Tallinn. Uh, Tallinn may not have quite the depth they have the last couple of years. I think they're going to be, they're still pretty strong. Uh, you know, they do such a good job in the relays. Uh, they're always competitive in the relays. They'll be a little bit off, uh, I think, in some of the throwing events, but I think they can rest there. Tallinn's another team from this area that you keep a close eye on, and I else. Uh, you, you always got to watch what Hillhouse does. They're always going to be there with Precious Holmes, and, and they're lo- a lot of versatile, talented athletes. So there's another team to watch. And, and Bloomfield Girl, they, they had a rough start of it. Outdoor season hasn't gone quite well. They ended up losing the Ram to start the season. But they're a team, when you get to the state open a lot of time, uh, that just seems to not just peak at that time, but they're more perfectly suited for the state open because they have athletes that can score in, you know, six or seven events and that's what you need the state open to win it. So Bloomfield, they've got their class S streak still going on in girls so track and field. That should continue. I would be surprised if they lose that. Uh and then the state open, you know, it was a surprise last year. Probably wouldn't be a surprise this year if they hang in and do it hang in at the state open for a while. Sounds great. And we look forward to uh, all of this shaking itself out over the next few weeks and into the end of May and then the beginning of June. Matthew Conyers, man who uh, keeps us very well updated on track and field. We really appreciate you uh, taking the time to to give us all your insight this afternoon. Joel, really appreciate it. And it's just kind of the start of a really fun uh, next couple of weeks. We've got Irv Black this week, and uh, from there we have a lot of great meets, the J.I. meet coming up that uh, should all spring us into class championships. So exciting time right now for track and field. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And you can find uh, Matthew's coverage on it uh, at the uh, Hartford Currents uh, website online and in the print edition as well. Matthew, thanks very much. Thanks, Joel. Really appreciate it. Great stuff there from Matthew Conyers of the Hartford Current. Encourage you to check out all of his work online or in the print edition of The Current, as well as uh, on Twitter, at Matthew Conyers, where is where you can find him. So as I said, we're going to change directions here. No more previews, no more sports previews. Instead, we're going to talk about the CACIC Scholar Athlete Banquet coming up this weekend, and no better person to chat with us about that than Paul Hoey, the Assistant Executive Director of the CIAC, who has been involved with this program for a very long time. So we chatted with him to talk a little bit about this great event. He did such a great job with us last week, we felt like we had to bring him back, make him a podcast regular. So I'm happy to be joined by CIAC Assistant Executive Director Paul Hoey. He's going to talk to us a little bit about the Scholar Athlete Banquet, which is coming up this Sunday. Um, This is the 30th anniversary of the the Scholar Athlete Program, something we're very, very proud of here at the CIAC. So, Paul, you've been involved in this uh, as an administrator at the school level and then certainly uh, as a CIAC person as well. What do you think it is really that makes this such a big deal both for the CIC, for us, and for the schools involved? I think, for, you know, first of all, I, I've been to all 30 you know, scholar-athlete uh, banquets and programs, you know, working here at CIAC. So I've seen the program evolve and grow over the years. 
I think you know, for schools, it's, you know, it's, it's the one opportunity they really get to recognize two outstanding individuals in their school and have their parents attend uh, and have a, uh, a very nice program for them in terms of speakers and, you know, where um, students in, in the school really think that believe it's a great honor to be recognized as a scholar athlete, which is exactly what we wanted to see happen. I think one of the things that's great about the program is when you look at the list of students who are earning the honor this year, obviously there's all manner of students, but it's not necessarily the, the all-state players or things like that, the, the folks who have earned all sorts of honors athletically that are always winning these awards. About it, uh, you know, it is a wide variety of kids. It's not necessarily the number one or two athletes in the school. They were in the bake club. They were, you know, you name it, they were part of it. And like, you know, and athletics was just part of the, the, the overall school program. And I think what's nice about it is, you know, uh, there's may not have been a starter, but maybe a great student and you know, a great contributor to the school. You talked a little bit about uh, your background from the, from the school side. Can you talk, at least during your time and maybe what you're familiar with from other schools, how those selections are made? At we would wait till uh, the end of the first semester of the senior year to uh, look at grades and uh, GPA so that we, you know, we would identify all of us from the school based on their grades and, and uh, their participation and the participation in athletic the schools received uh, to do that. Then I would form a committee with um, uh, uh, the athletics to you know two, two, three, or four, and then you know, then make a final selection from there. Uh, it wasn't always an easy process because it was a, when you're, you only can choose one boy and one girl. Right. Uh, the best you can. Uh, lots of times it would you know you, you know. As you said, uh, you know, you've been to all of these events uh, over the years, which I'm sure is, is, is a nice thing to, to be able to say. Do you have any, you know, I'm sure they're all great, uh, you know, that it's, it's great every year. Do you have any, in, any particular memories or, or things that just stand out at you over that time? Well, uh, I think one of the, the, the most fascinating uh, events that we held one year was when uh, our guest speaker was Faye Vincent. Uh, former commissioner of baseball, uh, who relayed to uh, the audience uh, the adversities he had to overcome after uh, suffering a fall in college you know, that left him partially paralyzed, mm -hmm. and then having to overcome that through the rest of his life to, to achieve the success that he had and to become commissioner of baseball and so on. It was a, uh, an outstanding um, example of, of perseverance in uh, overcoming adversity. And you know, it was a great message for the kids to hear. Sure. Uh, although they may not have to have a physical adversity to overcome, we talked about it in terms of using uh, life experiences to grow and to uh, and to overcome anything that they, you know that's impeding them from achieving what they want. Sure. And as uh, and yeah. something we're going to talk about a little bit more here with our next guest, but uh, the the Michael Savage Award, which is also going to be awarded at the the ceremony, is often. Uh, about a specific athlete who has managed to, to yeah, overcome yeah. adversity. So that's also a great part of this event. Right. Uh, Paul, we thank you very much. Yeah. We'll let you get back to work again. And uh, thanks, and we hope uh, everyone checks out the live broadcast of the event on Sunday. Thanks, Joe. Mentioned there in my fairly futile attempt at a transition, the Michael H. Savage Spirit of Sport Award, which will be awarded as part of the ceremony this coming weekend. We wanted to talk about that as well. So we sat down with Bob Lair, a CIAC staff person who is involved with the selection of the yearly recipient of that award. 
We're chatting with Bob Lair, a podcast favorite, with the uh, talking about the uh, the Michael Savage Spirit of Sport Award, which will be uh, handed out as part of the ceremony at the Scholar Athlete Banquet uh, this weekend. Bob, I know you've uh, been overseeing this this process since 2010, I believe, was the first year. Can you talk a little bit about what are the sort of general criteria for the award and, and how are the selections made? Well, first of all, the selections are made from recommendations from the athletic directors throughout the state. After we get the selections or the nominations in, I have a panel of three people here, myself not being one of them, and I ask them to review uh, the submissions and from those submissions, pick one person that will be the Connecticut representative uh, Spirit of Sport Award winner. This is a national award. What happens is our application or our nomination is submitted in section one, which are all the New England states, New York and New Jersey. And uh, from all the applications from those states, they pick one person. Last year, we were actually the person, we had the person uh, that was selected for that award. Then those eight district award winners go to the National Federation. And then there's a panel at the National Federation that selects the winner, the National Spirit of Sport Award winner. And those are amazing. The eight people that are, well, just about everybody that's ever nominated are incredible in their own right. But the, the people that are the eight finalists are just, they just blow you away. And uh, we've had situations where there uh, are individuals that I'm sure there was not a dry eye in the place uh, because they were so, it was so profound what they did. And let me just give you one example. There was a young man several years ago from Wyoming and he was a wrestler and he was a very good wrestler. In fact, he was a state championship wrestler and our state champion wrestler. His family took him to a meet. I think they were going from maybe Cheyenne to Casper. or I'm not sure exactly where it was, but coming back from the meet, uh, it was a very snowy night. They went over the crest of a hill and, and they got in a very, very horrific accident. Everybody was killed. His parents were killed and the other family members were killed except this young man. Now his family managed a farm. They lived in a farm. So this young man continued to operate the farm as a senior in high school and continued to wrestle and won a state championship. And he was just the most amazing person. And in Connecticut, we've had some incredible people also uh, that have been nominated. Uh, this year's nominee is Michaela Villette from uh, Killingly High School. Michaela was a field hockey player on August 25th of this past year. She went to field hockey practice like she normally would. She trained all, all summer for it because it was her senior year and she really wanted uh, to have a terrific senior year. So after the second day of practice, uh, she became ill when she got home and she started getting a raging fever. So her parents immediately took her to a local hospital. The local hospital couldn't do anything to get her fever down, so they took her to the Connecticut Children's Medical Center one of the premier facilities in the country for treating uh, young children and uh, adolescents in a host of medical issues. Uh, she was there for eight days and quite frankly, she was uh, very, very close to succumbing to this disorder. And it was very difficult to figure out what it was. They were certain it was inf an infection, but they, they couldn't really control it. Her body got huge. Uh, she retained a lot of fluid. It had a lot of impact on her and they couldn't get the fever down. It was, it was almost tragic. 
Uh, now, this was in about August 27th. She was in the hospital for a total of eight days. When she was released from the hospital, uh, the, the doctors told her that it was very, very unlikely that she was going to ever play field hockey again. What the doctors didn't know was this young lady's spirit and, and her will to participate and get out with her teammates. She's a senior captain and nothing was going to stop Michaela from participating in that field hockey team. So I believe it was September 21st. It was about three weeks, two or three weeks, two and a half to three weeks after she was released from the hospital that uh, she started walking and then running. And it's almost like she had to learn how to walk again, but she was a very, very quick study there. And she got back on the team. And after a few games, she really got back in the spirit of things. And physically, she was fine. And mentally, she was fine. Uh, it's interesting because the last game of the season, here in her senior year, after what could have been a very, very tragic uh, end to a, 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 her senior year, uh, she scored the winning goal where they qualified for the, for the uh, CIEC tournament. And uh, she was also named All-State. And she's just a remarkable, remarkable young lady. But we've had, we've had student-athletes like that. Uh, last year, we had a young man from Darien High School that started a, a Birdies for Vets uh, golf program, which actually has caught on throughout the United States. And he, he ran a golf program, and from the benefit or the, the funds that were generated, he supported uh, vets that uh, were in the Afghanistan war or, and came back from Iraq. Uh, just an incredible program for a young man to take on. We've also had a young lady from Glastonbury High School that lost both her legs and had some other serious illnesses, uh, but she was a swimmer, and she managed to swim and uh, participate on the swim team. She's a very, very courageous young lady. We also had uh, a young lady from Bristol Eastern High School uh, two years ago that had acute myeloid lymphoma. And uh, between her junior year and her senior year, she also was in very, very much in dire straits as to whether or not she was going to survive. And in fact, she had a younger brother who did, who did parry, or, uh, pass away as a result of this disease, this dreadful disease. Uh, so this young lady fought it. Her disease went in remission. She came back and led her soccer team to an undefeated season. I mean, many of these do not have storybook endings, but we've had a number of nominations that actually have had storybook endings. Very, very fine student-athletes, ones that uh, our state can be very much proud of. Absolutely, and certainly uh, amazing stories that deserve to be uh, de deserve to be recognized and certainly make everybody you know feel good about being involved in, in high school sports. So we look forward to, uh, to see seeing Michaela honored uh, this weekend, and uh, we thank all the, the folks who work on that committee to do that. Thanks very much, Bob. Absolutely, you're welcome. Great information and uh, insight from the always chatty Bob Blair. Always happy to have him on the CIAC cast. So we'll wrap things up here. I promised a special guest, and that we have. We were able to very easily track down one former Scholar Athlete Award winner, as we've talked about this great program. Easy to track that person down because I happen to be married to her. So we reached out to briefly chat with a former athlete at Farmington High School to talk a little bit about her experience as a Scholar Athlete. Very happy to be joined on the phone now by a former Scholar-Athlete winner, one that it was very easy for me to track down because she has the misfortune of being married to me. She's the now Karen Cookson, the former Karen Bernier of Farmington High School. Karen, thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you. 
So, you were a scholar-athlete at Farmington High School. We won't mention what year it was you graduated, but we will ask you uh, what do you remember about winning that award and, and about the ceremony itself? Uh, well, um, I remember it was quite an honor. Um, I do remember the day that uh, I was told I'd be receiving the, the award. Um, the male recipient and myself were both overhead paid to go to the athletic director's office right away, and honestly, we both thought we were in trouble for something, uh, so we were pretty relieved once we found out we were actually receiving a reward. It was quite an honor, um, and I remember the ceremony itself being very exciting, lots of people. Um, we did have the keynote speaker was Rebecca Lobo that year, so if you really want to do some research, you can figure out how old I actually am. Um, and I'm only five foot two, so uh, when we had to go up and get our picture taken, uh, it was definitely <laughs> a little bit laughable myself next to the quite tall Miss Lobo. Um, but other than that, it was actually a, a really fun night, and, and we were just so um, happy to have been chosen. You talk about happy to have been chosen. Can you sort of uh, what did it what did it mean to you to to get this honor? I know you uh, uh, having uh, know you fairly well. I know you took your <laughs> athletics uh, very very seriously. So what was sort of your uh, your feeling in being selected uh, as the the female scholar athlete? Uh, well, I think it was just such an honor because both academics and athletics were very important to me uh, throughout high school, and I feel like that those were sort of the primary. Uh, things I focused on, and so to feel like you were being recognized in both arenas at the same time was really just such an honor. All right. Well, we will not uh, keep you too long from your busy day and make you answer our silly questions here, but we uh, appreciate you reaching out and uh, being available to chat with us about the experience, and and I hope that the uh, experience will be as great for the folks uh, this weekend as it was for you all those years ago. (laughs) <laughs> Great. I hope so, too. Congratulations to all the winners for uh, 2013. I thank my wife for being a good sport and humoring me with a very brief conversation there. But I do know that that award is something that she's very proud of. And we try to make a big deal about this uh, scholar-athlete banquet here at Cass CISC because we do think it's a, a great event to honor some incredibly dedicated and accomplished student-athletes. So hope that folks will check it out this weekend. Again, you can watch it online, streamed live on the CIAC network. So we thank all of our guests, Paul Hoey and Bob Lair here at the CIAC, as well as Matthew Conyers for giving us a little track and field insight. I think we'll be checking in with him again a little bit later in the spring. And that is going to do it for this edition of the CIAC cast. As always, you can get in touch with us via email at CIACCast at castciac.org. can follow us on Twitter at CIAC Sports. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash CIAC Sports. So lots of ways to keep track of what's going on here at the CIAC offices. We are into May. We are might call that the home stretch of the spring sports season. So really looking forward to some exciting things. And we will be back again next week with another edition of the CIAC Cast. We hope you will join us then. Take care. Have a great weekend. <laughs>